Welcome to Beyond the BEO, an event planner's podcast. I'm your host, Shenandoah Nicholson, and this is episode four. This episode is brought to you by The Right Stuff, making your business sound as good as it looks. And GateCheck, a new subscription box made for travel lovers. Use the code BEO discount to get $5 off your subscription. Welcome back to episode four. This week, I'm chatting with Tammy about speaker bureaus. I really enjoyed our conversation and learned so much about how they can really help event planners find the right speakers that are on brand, align with your values, and really enhance your event. A little bit more about Tammy. Tammy Adams is a dedicated and passionate speaker agent, manager, coach, and events professional who thrives in bringing people together for engaging and life-changing experiences. She believes that when people come together, that's when the true magic happens. She loves using her voice to help raise others. Tammy started her own speaker management and booking company in September 2020, where she works with professional speakers to manage their day-to-day and clients to bring experienced and empowering speakers to their events. She coaches new and emerging speakers wanting to get into this incredible industry and current speakers who are looking for consulting services for different aspects of their business. Let's get into it. So welcome, Tammy. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you here today. I just want to start with letting you introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do, and your role in the events industry. Thanks so much, Shenandoah. I'm so excited to be here. So I am Tammy Adams. I am the founder of TA Speakers Management. I have been in the speaking world for about 10 years now and started my business out of the pandemic. And essentially what I do is I have two components. So I have three amazing speakers that I represent in the cultural space and I manage and book them for engagements with clients and put the little puzzle pieces together. And the second component is I'm a coach as well. So a speaker coach. So I coach emerging, upcoming, new, current speakers to help them enhance their offerings and get bookings. So that's a little bit about what I've created uh, in this pandemic. Perfect. That sounds so, so great. And and I'm loving all the people that are starting new businesses, (laughs) new adventures during the pandemic. It's, It's such a great, like a good silver lining to the last two years for sure. So I, I'm a little familiar with speaker management companies. I've, I've spoken to some in the past, but maybe you can explain in detail kind of how a speaker management company helps event planners and when when is the right time to use one and, and how do you get started working with one? Yeah, totally. I'd be happy to shed some light. So essentially kind of look at it as, you know, your decor person, you go to them because they're the expert in decor, you know, your AV person, you go to them because they're the expert in AV. Speaker management is the same idea. You're basically going to somebody that has vetted speakers ahead of time and has a roster or a group of people that they represent and that they can recommend based on different topics, themes, outcomes that you want to achieve, categories, those kinds of things. So essentially how we work is we have a bunch of people that we represent, and then we are able to, when a client comes to us, essentially, what you do is you would let us know what you're looking for, what main objectives you want to achieve, who your audience is, how many, what kind of style, is it a keynote, is it a workshop, is it this, is it that? So you would come to us with that information, and then what we do as experts 
introverts of seeing many millions of different types of presentations, ones that work and ones that don't. We match the speaker based on those objectives and outcomes. And we definitely take into consideration, you know, who the audience is as well, as much as the message that you want to relay, because that does make a difference on the style and of the speaker and what's going to work with different audiences. So, and then essentially, once you decide, okay, we like this speaker, we've agreed on the price and all of that, then we have, you know, if we're smaller like me, I take care of it all. But if you're bigger, then you have a whole team of people that help manage that relationship between the speaker and the client. So basically, you're getting somebody that's going to be always getting back to you really quickly and, and always on top of the speaker with anything that you need and ensuring that everybody is set up for success. So that's kind of a little bit about how a bureau works. And, you know, in terms of when you engage one, that's really up to you. I mean, certainly with a bureau, they tend to have a minimum starting rate with the fees, which is usually most of them, it's around the $5,000 range. So, you know, you are going to get that higher caliber of speaker, somebody that's been vetted, that's been doing this for a while, because bureaus don't take on speakers that are just starting out due to the demands of their clients and what they're looking for. Because clients, when they come to us, they're really looking for that expertise, that thought leader, the person who's really got that experience. So, you know, there is a certain budget range. However, you know, they're definitely in the virtual world. There's certainly negotiation and things like that that can help with some of the fees. And certainly bureaus are, you know, willing to work with people usually as low as 3,500. So it really depends on who you are and, you know, who you're looking for and what you want to achieve. I mean, we aim to help everyone out. We work with tons of not-for-profits and for-profits and, you know, we want to do our best to help everybody if we can. So I think that's a good snapshot. Anything else? Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I, my brain is percolating. I have so many more questions that kind of come out of that <laughs> and it, it's great. You mentioned audience and I wanted to talk about kind of ensuring that a speaker is in line with your event purpose and your event values. I think, I don't know if there's any worse feeling there might be, but for an event planner, a pretty bad feeling is when a speaker gets up there and says something that you were not expecting and was not going to go over well. And just the like pit in your stomach is like, why? Why is this happening? Even if you've vetted or seen other examples, like speakers can sometimes say something off the cuff or maybe not fully aware of what the situation is with the organization. There's different organizations have different kind of values as well. So how do you kind of tie those in to make sure that you're getting the right person to speak to your audience, but also that your audience is going to connect with and not have that pit in their stomach thinking, oh no, did they just say that? <laughs> Oh, totally. Yeah, exactly. No, totally understand that. And, you know, with that, I would say kind of like anything, you research the heck out of them. Now, if you're using a beer like me, we do that for you. But you're really, yeah, and, and it's really all about setting them up for success too, right? So, you know, your first step might be, okay, I want a speaker on change management. And, you know, but I can't have anyone that swears or talks about controversial issues or something like that. I mean, it's probably a bad example, but just one example. 
you know, there. So you want to, you want to research them. You want to see like, what kind of thought leadership do they put out? What does their website say in terms of what other people have said about their content? Are you connected with anybody that's booked them before or knows them? Maybe you can reach out to them and ask them like, Hey, how they were. I think the most common example though, Shenandoah probably is when people book comedians, because there is obviously the comedian that's that does comedy at absolute and yuck yucks. And then there's the comedian that does comedy for events. Right. So, you know, you want to make sure, obviously, like, this is where I've seen probably the most, like, you know, what you're talking about. The cringing moment has been like, you know, somebody's hired a comedian and they thought they were clean and all of that. And then they get up there and say something inappropriate that would just shock everybody. So yeah, you want to make sure that you're vetting them, that you're watching their materials, you're making sure that they aren't putting out anything, any kind of content like that. Talk to others, talk to your bureau, ask them, hey, are they clean? Like, you know, those kinds of things. And, and really, I mean, the world is so online today that you can literally find out anything about anyone. So my recommendation is like, if you're worried, Google them and just do as much research as you possibly can on them, you know, to see if there's anything there that goes against any values that you're that you're worried about so yeah do your research and and ask your experts would be my advice sure you you know talking about research like is there certain kind of red flags that you know someone should be looking at when either working with a speaker bureau or working with a speaker like what are those things that along the research path you know obviously Mm -hmm. if they say something extremely controversial, that's really easy to kind of spot and filter out. But what are the things that you are looking for when you are doing that type of research? Yeah, so that's a really good, really, really good question. So there's, <laughs> there's lots of red flags, like one being like, you know, I always test it with like, I reach out to the person, let's see how quickly they get back to me. If they're not responding within 24 to 48 hours, unless they're away or something, you know, I, I, I think that says something, you know, like maybe they, they're, they don't have the support they need or they're, you know, just not somebody that responds quick because we know in this industry, things move really fast. So, you know, that's kind of the first thing. The second thing is like, you know, really diving deep into how do they customize? What what do they do? Because people may say sometimes that they customize, but they they don't actually. So you just want to be careful. Now, many people who do do actually customize and a good speaker does, but you just want to make sure that they do. So you just want to look for that social proof. So you just want to, you know, be checking again out their thought leadership, seeing what they're saying, seeing how they're talking, all those kinds of things, I would say. And just, yeah, making sure that, that you're keeping on top of that and that you're researching that, you know, Research, I think, is key. And so other red flags that I've seen are, you know, just that they're not putting out thought leadership. Like I always look for that. So like if I want a speaker on a specific topic, I want to see what kind of materials they're putting out, you know, so so that I know for sure that they're staying on top of the trends and on top of what is relevant to that particular topic. I want to see that they have a video. So that they have some kind of video. Now, it's tricky in the virtual world. Not every single person has a virtual world video, although a lot of the top speakers at this point definitely do. So that's something to look for. But you just want to get a sense of their style, right? Like you just want to really see that they can be dynamic, that they can be um, engaging. And three components that I use in my coaching uh, with my speakers, and this is something that you can look at, is the three E's of speaking, I call it. So engagement, education, and entertainment. So you want to look for that. You want to see, like, is this person engaging? You know, you want, if it's virtual, you want to ask them, hey, like, what kind of virtual techniques do you use, you know, to engage the audience? Are you just going to be up there 
being a talking head on the screen or are you going to actually like do something to make it super interesting? Like you're, you want to ask these kinds of questions, right? So yeah, that would be my, you know, just kind of red flags to look out for. Yeah. Make sure they have videos, make sure they have testimonials from past clients so that, and sit and ask them like, Hey, have they spoken to your industry before? A really good dynamic speaker will do their research to be able to speak to your industry if they haven't before, but you'd still want to kind of get a sense of the type of people that they've spoken to before. And, and it's really those videos that are going to give you their style. So that's going to be a really good key indicator of, you know, just some things to look out for and also things to look for. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I think question. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, it's, you're right that industry is so important, particularly for corporate event planners, right? Like, and we talked a little bit about, you know, a, a cringe moment or the comedian that's not right for the, the event and just ensuring that, you know, knowing that, someone who's presenting to banks all the time might not be the right type of person for a startup or a nonprofit or a healthcare setting. And I think that really does play into it is knowing, you know, what is their expertise? What is it that they're bringing from either industry experience or experience speaking to the industry? Do they understand the challenges of the industry? Do they understand what type of group it is? You know, someone once used the expression, with me recently about, you know, the new balance versus Louis Vuitton, right? And yeah. there's there's yes. no problem for either group. And, you know, they, there's just a different way of working with groups and just ensuring that you kind of understand your audience, understand what they're looking to get out of it. And do they have that expertise? Are they going to go up and talk about an industry that is completely unrelated and people leave thinking, well, that's great for them, but what does that have to do with what we do here every day, right? So just making sure that you're in line with with those things. And you also mentioned social. And I think it it is a funny thing. It, by this point, you know, if you're a speaker, I'm assuming you have a pretty, you know, well thought out, you know, regular posts on social media. You're not yes. going to be someone, we're, we're past the day of, not being able to find someone, right? Particularly <laughs> exactly. if that's your your job. It's one thing if you if that's not something you're public facing and you don't need to be on social media. Of course, not everyone needs that. But what are, what are they posting on there? And you can you can gain a lot. And I think even one thing that I've noticed is that you can learn a lot by what people are also liking on yes. social media. And yes. I know LinkedIn really tells you if someone is liking certain content, and that might also tell you some. Some things that you'd either like or dislike about the possible the possible speakers for sure. So we talked, you know, a little bit about red flags to look out for and you know a little bit about what speaker management companies do, but maybe we can talk about some of the myths in the industry. I think there's lots of times that if people aren't familiar with a certain type of vendor, they don't really get what they do or they you know, they hear one bad experience. I, I hear this about recruiters sometimes of people, ha, oh, I don't yeah. answer the recruiters because of X, Y, and Z, or a friend of a friend of a friend of mine had a bad experience. And so they really just avoid it instead of saying, okay, well, that may have been one bad experience. So kind of what do you think are some of the myths or misconceptions about working with speakers and working with, you know, a speaker bureau or speaker management? Company? Well, definitely when it were, uh, comes to speaker management companies, I think one of the myths that that is, is out there is that it costs more. So, you know, a good speaker management company takes the commission off the speaker, not the client. And, and pretty much every single 
one that I know of does that. It's the way the model works. And, you know, essentially it makes sense because it's the speaker that's getting the exposure through you. So I think that sometimes clients think, oh, like they're going to add on a commission or they're going to, you know, add on a fee or something. And it, you know, in, in 99% of the cases, that is not the case. So I think that's a common misconception is that maybe it'll cost you more because it's going through a beer or because the speaker has to pay a commission. No, like the speakers, they really value their relationships with their bureaus and they are more than happy to do that. So they won't charge extra. So I think that's like a common misconception when working with bureaus that can happen. And, and also too, like that people think that the speaker isn't going to be flexible because they're with the bureau again, because they have to pay a commission. Well, that's not the case. Like I said, they want to make the relationship work. So, you know, I think, yeah, that can be a common one in terms of working with speakers and like just in general, the biggest misconception that I see or myth is that less, it should cost less. <laughs> and what I mean by this is like, if it's a 30 minutes versus an hour, it should cost less because it's only 30 minutes. But I think what, and I, and I get that in theory. However, I think what uh, needs to be considered is how that happens. So it's actually much more difficult to create a very powerful speech in 30 minutes than it is an hour because you have less time to drive home the key points. So it's actually more work, believe it or not, for if the speaker is a good professional speaker to do a shorter presentation versus a longer presentation. So it's kind of based on, in general, the speaker's time, right? So, you know, I get the idea of like, less is more, you know, only 15 minutes, only that. But if the speaker is going to really do a deep dive into who you are and in that 15, 30 minutes, deliver you exactly what you need, then it's going to take that customization and that effort for them to do so. So I think those are two of the biggest uh, misconceptions that I've seen so far. I think that's really some great points about the length of the speech, because I think, and I think it happens with anyone who kind of has a an idea of like an hourly rate, you know, you talk right. to people who are like lawyers or accountants, things like that, speakers. And I think, you know, there's all this work that goes into it leading up to it that you're not seeing, right? You're not seeing yeah. the time that they're taking to either research the organization or the industry or the event. You're not seeing the communications going back and forth between them and the speaker management company and the bureau. And you're not also seeing, like you said, like if you're having someone that you're like, oh, this is our dream speaker, and but we only have 30 minutes on the agenda. Probably you'd give more time to your dream speaker, but let, let's you know <laughs> say that for an example, that now they might have to rework that presentation, right? So maybe they are used to giving it in 60 minutes or 50 minutes and well, okay, well, how do they cut back? Like you said, people think less is less, but it, it really can be more. It can be that that tricky thing. And I, and I think those who have been working in the industry, particularly through COVID, I see that a lot with even virtual and in-person events of people thinking, mm. oh, virtual is so much easier. You just throw up a Zoom link, mm. you throw up some backgrounds and it's like, no, there's so much more that goes into it that we didn't have to do before. And not that they, an in-person event obviously takes a lot of time and planning, but things have to be ready earlier for virtual planning and, and, there's just so many things that people aren't really considering because they're not seeing the work behind the curtain, right? They're just seeing yeah. what that final product is, whether it's a virtual event or the speaker, you know, they get the nice clean 30 minutes. Okay, well, what did they have to do? Did they have to practice this? Did they have to go through it? Did they have to have it reviewed? Somebody building up their slide, you know, there's just all this stuff behind it that we think, oh, well, 
we sh we pay the speaker to show up for these 30 minutes and that's it and it's like well did you account for all the other work exactly yeah. yeah and the calls that they have to have with you and the customization like a good speaker this is like i'm talking about good professional speakers like yeah they are worth paying for because they are going to go that extra mile and do that certainly you can get a speaker cheaper but they're you know for a particular situation but they're not necessarily going to go that extra mile right or maybe they're just starting out and they don't have as much experience so you know it's it's all about what you know you get what you pay for is kind of the situation right and and that's why speakers are priced at different price points because it's based on their expertise who they are stuff like that another one that i actually see is you know a name draw is amazing for sure and definitely a name draw type speaker you know celebrity something like that is going to help you draw in attendees but I think sometimes people think okay like just because they're and and there are amazing you know celebrities out there that are amazing speakers but not all of them are so sometimes I think clients think okay I'm gonna get the so-and-so here you know and it's gonna be really amazing and then their price takes super high and then they don't actually do the greatest job on stage. So I've seen that happen before. So I think it's like, it's really more about like, when you're thinking of your event, like, what do you really need to make this successful? Do you actually really, really need that big name? Or are there different ways that you can, you know, promote a speaker that's less of a name in ways that you can get people excited about, about for the sure. speaker? I've, I've, I've encountered that. that before where we've yeah. hired a celebrity for something and and not that it went poorly or right. there was any disappointment it was just like well could we have reworked that budget to get a different type of speaker that really aligned more with the event or was more engaging because they were more connected to the event instead of hiring someone who doesn't really have the time or energy exactly to spend learning everything that we need them to learn before the event because like you said you know, what type of time are they taking with the event to understand what what is needed? Because I think that goes into the, the research and the idea of the budget, right? You really want someone who is willing to take that time with you because otherwise you're going to likely have someone who shows up on the day of and is like, so what's the name of the company again? Like, what city am I in again, <laughs> right? You want totally. someone more informed than that. Yeah. And I think it's also based on the format that you use too, right? So like if you are, you have a bigger budget and you are bringing in a bigger celebrity and maybe they don't do, you know, regular, you know, keynoting type stuff all the time. A fireside chat is an amazing way to to have a really engaging conversation with them, right? So that's another way you can look at it too. It's just get creative and be like, okay, we want, because, it, and it's also looking at like, you know, if it is a celebrity, do they do speaking regularly? Do they have a speaking profile? Are they somebody that is doing this? And if they're not, like I said, it doesn't mean that they're going to be bad. It just means you might want to reconsider the way that you engage them or you, you know, you might want to just, yeah, do your research on that as well. And, and I guess my point too, is like, you don't have to always spend the big bucks, you know, like, and on one person, there are different ways. I mean, you know, I work with what I call like the everyday speakers and, you know, what I mean by that is just like non-celebrities. And like they're spending their every day perfecting their craft. So I guess that's my point. It's like, I'm not saying that, you know, hiring a celebrity is going to be bad. It's not. There's amazing ones out there that are great. Sure. I'm just saying like, there's different things to consider, I think, when of what's most important to you and then, and then figuring out how you're going to spend those funds. Yeah. And I think you brought up a great point of like, not every session has to be a speaker on stage with a traditional PowerPoint, you know, with a clicker, right? You know, how can we reimagine 
what the speaker is doing for us. Is it a fireside chat? Is it a lightning talk? Is it, you know, how are we engaging them in a different way? Because also, you know, a day full of sessions that look exactly the same can start to kind of blend together in in your mind, right? So I think that kind of touches on, we talked a little bit about virtual and hybrid. And just because I know we're coming up to time, I would be remiss if we did not talk about, <laughs> you know, virtual and hybrid and how, how you see that kind of going forward with speakers in the future. Like, of course, you know, we're now two years into this. People are people are are more accustomed to it, but it's still not the same. And anyone who's run a virtual or hybrid event knows it's not the same animal. So like, what are kind of speakers doing and what are bureaus doing to help facilitate and engage people in virtual and, and hybrid events? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I mean, in terms of the future, like most people, I see this continuing on. I mean, the value of reaching so many more people in this space is just cannot be replaced, right? So I see, you know, the future being obviously in person coming back because like we, that's our naturalness, like we want to connect and engage and be literally with other human beings. So that would definitely come back, but there's definitely the virtual and hybrid component. And in terms of like, so at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, free for all. So it was like, you know, the talking heads on the screens without the technology and the cameras and all of that. And now that like, it's, you know, two years in, there's definitely no excuse for that. Anybody that's professionally speaking will be at the point where they have some kind of technology setup. So, you know, when it comes to engagement, you know, making sure obviously that they're the biggest one, not being in front of a window would be a big one, you know, because I still believe it or not, I still see some speakers do it. And I'm like, Oh, I believe it. This is like (laughs) video 101, you know? So, you know, it's just funny, but I would say, yeah, like, you know, obviously the right tech setup is kind of a good one. So like, I'm not saying that they have to have, like, for example, I have one speaker and she has like three screens, switching software, like major professional setup and it's amazing it's it's it goes that extra mile it's absolutely incredible and it works with her style and who she is i have another speaker where she has a a professional mic a professional camera she sits and that's how she engages she but she'll use the chat for example so like even though she's sitting but she's an incredible storyteller So like you're captivated by everything that she's saying. So I guess my point is like, yes, they need to have the professional mic, the professional camera and some kind of setup of some sort, but it's not like they need to have all the fancy bells and whistles. I say it works based on the speaker. And so that's just kind of like one piece. And then obviously the chat is an amazing way. Like I absolutely love it when speakers are like, you know, both all of my speakers, they're like, Hey, if you agree with this, put this in the chat. Cause that blows up like crazy. So even if you can't see the people, cause sometimes it's not a video call, sometimes it's a webinar, right? You know, at least you have, you see, you can actually feel the excitement in the chat. Like it's freaking amazing, you know, to see that. So, and obviously polls, you know, other platforms allow for annotating and engaging. So there's different ways that speakers find ways to engage in like a, the kind of virtual world. And then when it comes to hybrid, I mean that I, because I, you know, haven't had tons of experience with hybrid. And I think we're all there, right? Yeah. Really like how, went virtual and now we're like, yes. Oh, okay. Now we can kind of go back in person in some places, depending on where you are. Like, I think that's, we're tiptoeing into that next. Yes, totally. But 
but the way I see it is like just making sure that you have a setup so that your speaker can engage with the people that are in person as much as they can engage with the people that are virtually. And I actually had a really interesting conversation with a MC and she was saying like, you know, having like if you're if we're talking about MC specifically, you know, having an MC that's in person and also one that's in the virtual world mm-hmm. so that they can engage and also so that they can feed information to each other of what's going on so right. that they can stay in touch. So there's different ways, but those are some of the engagement techniques that I've seen, you know, to this point. For sure. For sure. And I think, you know, as we wrap up, my, my final question, I think, is about engaging speakers throughout the event. So we talked about, you know, how speakers can engage with the audience, but how do you really build that momentum? You know, I've seen uh, some industry professionals talking about the event being more than just one day or set of days, right? You know, how are you building excitement leading up to it? What are you doing after the event that, you know, it doesn't just remain this nice presentation that you saw and, you know, think about once in a while, like how are you kind of, how, how can speakers engage before and after uh, the event? I love that. Yeah. So I think I find like speakers come in later on usually. Mm -hmm. So I think it's always good, like anything to engage them earlier if you can, that way they can really get a sense of your event and you can really find somebody that's going to match what you're, what you're planning for. So that's kind of the the biggest one I would say there. The other ways is, oh, so many different creative ways. And especially in this new world, there's been new things that have been coming up. So, you know, obviously one big one, all my speakers, they are willing to do videos. So they'll do like a little intro video of, of getting people excited. They might even do a few more, right? Like, hey, you know, here's one for the first month, second month, depends how far out your event is. They tend to be really tightly close these days, you know, because <laughs> of the virtual world. But, you know, so I'm not actually used to do many further out anymore but you know which is totally fine but yeah you know it depends how far they are but yeah like they can do videos so that's like a really good way um they can share you can share resources and materials with your audiences of things that they can read and review and and take note of ahead of time you know that's another way to keep them engaged and excited you can ask the speaker to promote and unless they are like a celebrity that has like a very specific reason as to why because if they promoted everyone they were their social media would probably be like insanely filled but you know most of the times they're willing to be like yeah sure i'm willing to help you promote this you know they might put it in their newsletters those are different ways on the promotion techniques, but I think it's key. It's like engage them as early as you can. Once you kind of know your theme and who your audience is and what you want to, what your objectives are, then engage your speaker, ask them for these extra things because they're always, always willing to do it and then bring them through to the end. Some things that I've seen after have been like one of my speakers, she has micro learning courses. So like it's an extension of her keynote, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, Sarah, like she will do her keynote and or workshop and then she will, you know, we'll often offer a micro course that people can just have extended learning. So that's kind of, you kind of can um, do that. Or like, you know, sometimes people have questions, but after, but that they think of, but they don't think of it there. One other thing that they'll do is like, they'll do a Q and a video where if you send them all the questions, they'll answer them. You can put those out. So those are just kind of unique ways that you can still keep that conversation going and keep people engaged before and after the session as well. That's great. I, I think that's that's so so many good tips, keeping people engaged afterwards, answering the questions afterwards, because that's that's just more content for your event to keep people engaged. Exactly. Right. I, I think, you know, we all say we want to keep using our evergreen content, but then we just get so busy and onto the next thing that we forget, okay, well, we have this wealth of 
Q&A or the session or clips from the session, you know, even if you're not releasing the whole thing, you know, how do you maybe send that out to your speakers or sorry, your attendees in the future or, you know, for next year's event? Okay, well, here's a taste of what you missed last year. And this is why you should come this year. So I think all that stuff can really just really enhance the the event. So thank you so much. You know, we're, we're coming up to time. So again, thank you so much for being here today. I just want to end with letting pe- letting you tell people what you've got going on, where they can find you and how they can connect with you if they want to learn more about uh, working with you. Sure. So one thing that I want to promote first is there's a really exciting challenge going on right now that was created by myself, another colleague and Ignite Magazine, and it's called the Reintroducing Me Challenge. And it's on social media on LinkedIn. So I definitely invite you to go check it out. It's super exciting. It's for the entire month of February. And essentially what it is, is that it's the idea of so much has shifted and changed in our industry. So how do we like, this is a way for us to reintroduce ourselves to our network, as well as just a really warm and fuzzy initiative that we can really get to know each other better, especially in like the really crappy month of February. So (laughs) that was the idea behind it. And the amazing thing is Ignite is offering a $500 education bursary to whoever follows the criteria of essentially using the tagline reintroducing me challenge and then telling us something about you, whatever you like, you make it long or short, and then tagging three friends and tagging Ignite as well. So that's just like a really fun thing that I wanted to put out there. And then for myself, you know, I... I always go with the motto of like, I help, I use my voice to help others raise theirs. So, you know, if you have an opportunity, you know, you're, you're running an event or, you know, you're running a meeting and you're like, I'd really like to bring someone in to engage my people. I would love to help you with that. A lot of brilliant speakers out there. And if you're, you know, um, an executive or if you're like, you know, been in the meetings world for a long time and, or if you know anyone, you know, I would love to engage with anyone who is looking at speaking as their career because it's certainly an amazing one to take on and there are a lot of really awesome awesome people out there so that have really awesome messages to share so those are you know and you can find me at taspeakersmanagement.com is my website and I'm on LinkedIn under Tammy Adams T-A-M-I Adams uh, as well and I'm there all the time so you can certainly uh, find me in those two places. Perfect. And we'll put all that in the show notes for everyone to be able to find you. And I do encourage people to participate in the reintroducing challenge. I've seen so many great posts over the last few days. And it's been fun, one, to see where people are at. Like you said, there's been a lot of change in the industry, people moving to new roles, people starting new organizations, new companies. And it's just exciting to see some energy back in in the industry that's had a had a rough couple of years and and also I've I've made some new connections through it because I I found some people that was like, oh, I, I could definitely talk about the things you're talking about. So let's let's connect. Yeah. So I think it's a great industry initiative. So we'll leave it there for now. Thank you so much for being here and uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. I'd love to hear about the most engaging speakers you've worked with. Let me know on social media. This show was brought to you by The Right Stuff Agency and GateCheck. Don't forget, Beyond the BEO is now a preferred provider of CMP clock hours. Complete the quiz in the show notes to receive your certificate. Follow us on social media at Beyond the BEO and keep an eye out for our next episode in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Until next time.